This is episode number 49. Welcome to the Goal Achievement Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you're all doing very well. Before we uh, get much further into the episode, I just wanted to mention that uh, Mary Oliver passed away yesterday. And if you're not uh, familiar with her uh, or with her name, she is a uh, writer and a poet. And I've never read anything of hers at all. I think I probably will at this point. But um, she's the person who said, and I was just searching for quotes one day to come across this, but uh, she came up with the quote, uh, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I just love that quote. I just think it's incredible. I just think it's like the perfect quote. And uh, I don't know. I love her because of that quote. So I've thought a ton about that quote, tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So strongly encourage you to think through that and uh, if, if, if you never have and uh, just think through it. You know, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So, um, so rest in peace, Mary Oliver. All right, let's dig in. So um, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, my name's Matt East. I'm your host, and uh, this show is all about helping you to find clarity, design a plan, and most importantly, achieve your goals. If you want to learn more about me or about the podcast, you can visit uh, the website. That's at matt-east.com, and there are a lot of free resources uh, for you there right now, and uh, you can even schedule a free 30-minute uh, coaching call with me there. And uh, of course, you can listen to all the episodes of the podcast. And uh, I encourage you to dig in. So go check that out, matt-east.com. And on today's episode, so we have another interview. And this one is with Dr. Bear Blissenbach. And uh, she is a coach from uh, the website workyoulovecoach.com. I met uh, Bear. She's also a coach.me coach like me and she's amazing she's lived in she lives in the u.s now but she has uh worked in six different countries on three different continents which that's amazing and uh i mean that'd be amazing to travel to three continents she's worked on three continents so uh absolutely fascinated uh by her i think you guys will really enjoy this enjoy this interview uh, she's a former really high-end attorney turned coach, so she now helps clients from all over the world connect to their passion and purpose, and if that's something you're thinking through, definitely connect with, uh, with she goes by Bear, so Coach Bear, and uh, as I mentioned, we connected, she and I connected through Coach.me, so she's a digital coach, and uh if you're interested in trying out that service through uh, um, trying out di- digital coaching, you can use the promo code um, Matt East Week. It's all one word, Matt East Week, um, and get a free week a free week of coaching. Try it out, man. Definitely try it out. It's awesome. I use it. Um, 
I've recommended it to like all my friends at this point. They're using it, and uh, everybody likes it way more than they would have imagined. And it, or I shouldn't say like it way more. It works way better than they would have ever imagined. It's uh, all built around building a habit, and uh, it works. So give it a shot. It's really, really, really good. So, all right, let's uh, dig in. Uh, to the interview with Bear. I think you guys are going to really like her and uh, everybody have a great weekend. Ah, welcome to the podcast, Bear. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing really well and really happy to be here with you, Matt, and your listeners. Good, good, good. I really, I like the content on your website. I was digging into it, and there's some great stuff on there. And one thing really stuck out to me, and that was that um, you like talk about the elephant in the room, which is the money or meaning dilemma. So um, the thing that so many people are kind of fighting in our culture is you know, choosing between the safe job, which is kind of financially secure, but maybe unfulfilling work. And then uh, on the other side of that, you know, maybe pursuing work they love, but maybe um, not such uh, financially, um, I don't know, fulfilling. And and, uh, you talk a lot about trying to solve that gap. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, just feels like it's currently such a huge issue. I don't. I don't think it necessarily was in previous times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just because once you get to a certain level of well-being in a culture, all these questions about meaning just become more acute. Yeah, yeah. You find that you have a lot of um, like clients that come to you that are trying to find more fulfilling and meaning work. Yeah, I think so. You know, so typically. They, their life is actually quite good, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's just not not really what they want to do. And um, there are, like, all these questions. Am I on the right path? Um, do I really want to be doing this 20, 30, 40 years from now? And the mm-hmm. answer is typically no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, so I think that's just something that a lot of people nowadays struggle with. Mm-hmm. If somebody's struggling with that, is there anything you would suggest – um, that they can do on their own to kind of figure some of that out? Or is that you, is it mostly like trying to work with somebody and you'd have to really dig in with them? Well, I mean, I think there's definitely things people can do, um, on their own. Like for instance, just starting a blog and exploring topics they're interested in. Hmm. And that can be a way of, uh, exploring topics while also having an audience, because I think often what happens um, when people think about their, like their passion and their purpose, it's often in their heads mm-hmm. and <laughs> our purpose, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't live just in our heads. It lives yeah. in the world. So we need to do something that impacts some people in some way. And that's why I think for instance, having a blog or in your, you know, like they could also just start a podcast and talk about things that interest them. Mm-hmm. And then through that, it kind of like clarifies a bit more, what they really want to work on if there's interest on the other side. It just sure. really helps. No, that makes complete um, sense. Yeah. So basically anything, whether it's like a blog or a podcast or just, you know, starting to do videos on topics of interest and um, having having a dialogue with other people about it. I think that's something that can at least help, you know, on getting clearer what sort of lights them up, what fulfills them. Mm-hmm. and. 
of course, that's not necessarily getting to the root of the money or meaning dilemma, but I, but I think it's sort of like a step, you know, in the right direction. Like, yeah, for yeah, instance, yeah. Um, I, I can share something from my own life sure. where I was working um, someplace that was very prestigious and great, and I just wasn't happy. And then I found something that I really loved doing on the side, and I was just like jumping out of bed, like on the weekend, like, yeah, I can work on this. Uh-huh. And that already you know, that already really created a lot more fulfillment and happiness in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an easy way to get relatively quick relief. Yeah. Yeah. And is that when you were like making the transition from being an attorney? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I I had been struggling with that question for a long time, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so in Germany, like becoming a lawyer is just like a never ending process pretty much. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, like you, you, you go to university for five, four or five years. Um, I was a year in Spain where I also studied law and then you have your first exam, which is super tough. And then after that you have another like two years and then you have another exam, which is oh, also super wow. tough. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I had like multiple, you know, chances even before it was, uh, working, um, as a lawyer to kind of like question myself. Um, and what, what I also find interesting now is, um, you know, after I made that, uh, transition, it's all been coming back in a way. Um, I've been connecting with people who are, I, I had connected with them before, but like people who are really trying to do something new, um, in the field of law. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that's something then often, you know, with my, with my clients, I can actually refer to something I've been doing, doing as a lawyer, because I maybe has some expertise of, oh, this is probably what your attorney thinking right now. You know, like maybe they have a conflict at work and they need uh, to talk to yeah. their attorney and then I they think, feel, I think. yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> you know, something I see a lot with like the meaning versus money dilemma is and I'm interested if you've ever if if you've ever had a client that I guess has experienced this. So I'll work with people that are struggling with that exact dilemma, and so they'll be like hating, hating, hating their day their day job. Okay, mm-hmm. but they can't really quit it. Um, they could move jobs, but for whatever reason, um, uh, sometimes I'll suggest that like they go ahead and pursue like a side hustle or their passion, but keep their like primary job, but start to like fire up their, whatever their, their, uh, kind of more passionate pursuit is. And a lot of times I spoke with somebody today that dealt with this, their like frustration with their day job kind of simmers down. And I'm sure mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, but it's like once they start following what they want to do, they like kind of feel less um, and like less animosity towards their actual day job. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. That's exactly what I've what I'm experiencing myself, too. You know, when I when when, when I um, give that same advice to people, I, I think there's just something about I think before they pursue their passion on the side, they sort of like feel stuck. And then mm-hmm. once they start moving ahead, it's mm-hmm. already in the right direction. Yeah. And then suddenly your boring job becomes this interest free business loan, right? That's yeah. giving you stability. Yeah. Um, and if something like frustrates you at work that maybe would have prior to you firing up like your passion thing, like, 
it would like eat at you and frustrate you. And then once you've done that, you're just like, ah, who cares? Like I'm going to get to work on, you know, that thing that I actually really care about tonight and I could really care less. So it doesn't just like eat at you all night long. Uh, cause you just don't really care that much anymore. Like not in a bad way. Don't care. You're just like not going to let it like destroy your life. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah I think that's why it's such a good you know advice to start something on the side and not just take the, take the leap and see what happens. So are you in, uh, you're in the United States now, right? Like I, I am. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how did that come to be? Like, so you mentioned Germany and now, right. now you're here. So like, take me through that a little bit. How did you get here? And yeah. So, uh, first of all, it really wasn't planned. So this whole thing about, you know, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. That was <laughs> definitely true in my case. Okay. Um, so basically I've always felt a bit like a global citizen. So I really liked being in other places. Um, I mentioned that, that I spent some time in Spain. I went to high school for a year in Canada, I was in Vietnam. And, um, what happened, what eventually brought me to the U S is, uh, that I met my husband and we're for quite a while living on different continents and long distance relationships can just be really tough in my experience. Oh yeah. Um, especially we then had some added challenges because I had a really challenging workload and it was always, you know, because of the nature of what we're doing, it was always very like last minute. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I wouldn't know, Oh, will I have time then? You know? Yes. Yeah. I could see that. And, on the other hand, my, my, my uh, husband's a federal return, uh, federal employee, so he needs to have this long plan in advance to oh, yeah. kind of set, set up meetings and so on. So it was just very challenging to actually spend time together. Um, and at some point, the question was, so what are we going to do about this? And eventually, we decided that I'll move and um, that we'll you know, make that work. So that's how I, where did you guys meet? Did you already say that? Where did you meet? No. Um, so, so we're already in the same circle of, of people, but it was, you know, like all online or like on phone calls and so on and so forth. And I often like to tell this story. So basically the first time I was on a group phone call with him, he started talking and I really literally had to put the phone down because his, his voice, I I, I just couldn't take it. It And, (laughs) That's funny. He knows it, and we're, like, joking about it. Um, So that's why I'm sort of, like, saying this thing of, like, your soulmate may actually not be your type. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or it doesn't have to be love at first sight or something like that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, So just sort of, like, people who get a strong reaction, you know, out of you. Yeah, that's funny. Um, So so we had been, you know, like, talking from time to time as friends, and uh, then he was teaching a course in Finland, actually, at that time, and I was living in Berlin, so he was sort of like, hey, how about I come to Berlin, and you can show me the city, and so we met, and that's how we, uh, yeah, got kind of, like, got together and uh, started exploring if we want to be in a relationship. Okay. Interesting. So how, yeah. uh, how many languages do you speak? Well, I mean, it depends on how you define speaking. Uh, so my first foreign language was English. Obviously I speak German. Um, we had some Latin in school, which is like the most useless thing ever. What is that? Ex- oh, Latin. Did you say Latin? Yeah. Yeah. Except like I, I, I'm sometimes like, 
you know, it's, it's kind of helpful for, for annoying people sometimes, (laughs) but, but that's sort of like the only benefit. And, um, I then learned some French and some Spanish. Sure. Very cool. So So have you, how's the transition? So how long ago did you like start coaching? So, well, initially I was doing, you know, I was still sort of like figuring out what am I doing, um, with this. And it was almost more like energy healing. Okay. And I then shifted over to coaching. Okay. So, uh, the first time I really started exploring, you know, really doing something and setting up a business that would have been like five years ago, but I really started my business, you know, three years ago when I came over to the U S and when it, yeah. So what was up with the energy healing, like stones or like what uh, type of energy healing? Yeah, so I got trained in something. It's called infinity healing. Okay. okay, what's that? Well, it's it's the person who created it describes it as Reiki on steroids. Okay, okay, I'm familiar <laughs> with Reiki. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's just sort of like you know experimenting with it. It was basically the one thing that got me started. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes you just need something to get you started sure. and, you know, to experiment. And then later on, it sort of like crystallizes and becomes clearer. So for me, at some point, it became clear that I'd like to do something that's a bit more, I don't want to say mainstream friendly, but something that feels like um, it's easier to talk to people about. Sure, sure. And also that's more likely to have an impact because... I think energy healing is is amazing and great. And I think the benefits of coaching can be that often it empowers people to, you know, like take steps and have an impact and so on and so forth. And energy healing is more healing focused than. Yeah. So do you, um, and I have no idea your answer Mm -hmm. to this. Do you do (laughs) like meditation now and still kind of practice any like energy healing or. Is I mean, like yeah. So I I bring a lot of different tools together, and it just really depends on what what the people need. So sometimes it's going to be very, you know, like very secular. Okay. And I'm just talking about research and uh, habits and sure, you know that sort sure. of thing because I think it's really important that the person you're working with feels like you're talking their language. And then other times I'm going to go all woo woo if they want it. And, you know, we can talk shamanism. I mean, I've uh, recently facilitated a course in trans- integral transpersonal psychology. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think you can bring in if it's necessary. Yeah. Do you, um, do you yourself yeah. do have a meditation practice? Yes. Um, although it depends, like... Meditation is the one habit that I am sometimes struggling with. Okay. So it's, it's it's quite interesting. I'm like, happily, you know, like I'll exercise and do like stuff that's really hard, but like sitting down, um, you know, for, for 20 minutes, uh, that's sometimes challenging for me to do. And I, I also experiment with sort of like different forms because I think there are sometimes ways you can go deeper in meditation than just sort of like, you know, the whole observing your thoughts. and Sure stuff like that. And I also sometimes do a one minute meditation. Yeah. And 
Uh, by that, I mean one that's either focusing on different ways of experiencing, I guess, what we could call the divine, you know, because I think there are like all these different ways we can experience that. Yeah, yeah. Almost, you know, like, like you know, wonder about the universe, like, sure. you know, just looking at the stars and oh, yeah. how did all this happen? This is like, wow. Yeah. And, you know, scientific achievement and sort of like, like wonder about that. But then sometimes it's also more like direct communion. So, so there are ways of experiencing these different perspectives within a one minute meditation, which I find really cool. And um, I've also tried something where I'm incorporating it a bit more into my exercise routine. You know, basically exercising while also being aware of consciousness and sort of the subtle energy body. I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, it totally um, does. So what's an example of like a one-minute meditation? Like what would you just... Yeah. So this is actually coming out of something that's called integral theory. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. No, I haven't. So uh, it was started by somebody. He's called Ken Wilber. And, you know, some people say he's like the most amazing philosopher since Aristotle and others say he's, you know, <laughs> say not, not so many things about him. So whichever it is you pick. But um, what I like is that he's really trying to integrate a lot of different things together. Okay. And uh, so you know, like one way of doing this in like a minute is if you kind of like took a moment and just allow yourself to focus on the awe you can feel about experience. So this could be, you know, the Big Bang or, mm-hmm. you know, like that we're on a planet and mm. there's life here. And, yeah. and we're just how like did we get crawling like from, through the universe somehow. Right, yes. like how did we get from a microbe to, you know, like we're talking here, on yes. a pod, you know. Yes, yeah. not even the same room. So sort of like just feeling that wonder about that. Yeah, oh yeah. I th- I think about this stuff all the time. I'm completely obsessed with it, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like the idea that there's, I've heard the theory, like mathematically, there's more stars, you know, than there are like grains of sand, including like deserts and beaches and stuff. Wow. I'm like, yeah. that is unbelievable to me, like completely fascinating. And I don't know. And we have a little cabin, um, that's kind of out of the city and I, I, you know, there's still pollution from light there. Like it's not one of like the best places in the world to see mm-hmm. the stars, but man, you can really see the stars and, uh, yeah. it can make you just, you know, you can, you just realize how just small you are when you're, you know, in that, in that moment and in that setting, it can just be really, really mind boggling. Yeah, and that's sort of like, you know, a third-person uh, meditation practice, the sense of awe, you know, where mm-hmm. um, the object of your meditation is something that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible to have a second-person perspective where, you know, for some people that's prayer, which, you know, you can even do if you're agnostic or an atheist. Sure. Um, just sort of like some form of communion with something, whether we call it love or, you know, God or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so that's, if you let that arise, that's a very different form of relationship, you know, where you kind of like feel loved and cared for. Mm-hmm. So if you do your one minute meditation, mm-hmm. is it from like the third person or the... I, I do all of them. I you do just all do them. them all? Okay. Yeah. Because cool. I think often, you know, people just do one of them. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for instance, regular meditation is typically you focus on the first person perspective, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just like, what am I feeling right now? And um, the witness within me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like people who pray, it's typically just sort of like second person perspective, but it's really about integrating all of them because they're all, you know, like valid expressions of, of how we can see the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's really, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. So yeah. do you, do you coach meditation on like coach.me or no? No, I actually don't. No, yeah. I am. I'm a productivity coach. <laughs> okay. Is that all you coach productivity? Like setting on, priorities or what is it? On Coach Me, that's all I coach. Okay. Um, you know, just uh, because I think the setting daily priorities is just so helpful for basically everything else. Yeah. And so, so I think it's a really good habit to start from. Yeah, I actually just removed everything else from my profile on there because I'm like, you know, my whole pitch, my whole theory in coaching is to get very clear on what you want first and then yeah, develop a yeah. plan and then uh, start to take action and, and uh, work towards it. And that, and setting priorities just aligns absolutely perfect with that. Cause you know, you've got to get clear on, on what you're going to try to do that day. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it just aligns yeah. perfectly with what I uh, kind of preach. And, you know, I was doing like um, going to the gym daily just because I go to the gym daily, but I'm like, that's ah, not really what, that's not really not my jam as far as a coach. So I've, I scaled it yeah. back and just pulled back to, uh, and I just wanted it to be like perfectly in line with what I do, um, with my broader coaching. Cause I don't, I'm not like coaching a ton on coach.me. I'm getting the majority of my clients through, um, my regular website and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I checked out your profile. It must have been yesterday. So, and and it, you know you still have the other things on. So. Oh yeah, I don't. Uh, nope, I pulled it off today. I literally wow, did it today. Cool. Yeah, but yeah. I was just like, eh, I'm gonna pull this stuff off of here. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just did that. Just did it today. Like I don't know, two hours ago, I did a recording earlier with. Um, with um, Aaron Kent, he's a new coach on mm-hmm. Coach.me. How long have you been on that platform? Um, about a year. Okay. It's gone pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see, of course, there's sort of like a learning curve, you know, with mm-hmm. the whole digital digital coaching thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like some things went easier just because I had coaching experience and other things before, like this whole you know, what if people don't respond to me or, you know, stuff that new coaches struggle with. And it feels like even though my coaching had been in a different area, it was easier to make that transition. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I I don't know if that's the majority of your clients. I'm sorry, I interrupt so much. I'm Mm -hmm. just curious. So the majority of your clients come through your website too today? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. yeah that's cool. I really like having both as an option mm-hmm. because uh, just the price point. I mean, my my coaching is way more expensive than what I'm able to offer on Coach.me, as I think most everybody's is. And uh, so it does. You know, I do a free thirty minute call with anyone, and I like to be able to offer them, you know, a less expensive option, which the digital coaching is kind of is that way. So. Yeah, it works out really nice. Let me ask you this. So, like, um, mm-hmm. uh, 
I've never asked this question. Uh, what do you <laughs> what do you wish you would have had known about coaching uh, before you got started, like that you know now? Okay, I need to think a moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe there's nothing. I don't know. Maybe you had a good. I don't know how I'd answer that question actually. And there's there's always a rule that you shouldn't ask a question if you couldn't answer it yourself. And I don't know if I could answer that. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that occurred to me, and I'm not sure that's even like the answer to your question, um, okay. is that I, actually I don't really like the word coach. Okay. I don't, and, I don't either, really. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I was thinking, you know, like I, I'm actually, I actually see myself more as a guide. Mm-hmm. Because I was playing around with all these words, like, you know, teacher, but now nah, that's, you know, it's different if, I mean, if I teach a law class, that's very different than, you know, like what we're doing here. Yeah. And then facilitator, yeah, okay, perhaps. So so it feels to me like guide actually reflects it the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think um, But I guess that's not really something that I needed to know before starting to coach. I think, actually, I'm fine with it because I, I feel like it's all part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. there's lots, lots of mistakes I made and, you know, probably still make, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it just feels like it's part of the journey. So I think, you know, knowing it in advance would have kind of like taken, taken the fun out of, out of the learning experience. Who do you think like your ideal client is? Like if they come through your website and they submit like a, their information on there, like who do you like feel like you coach really well and effectively? Yeah, so it's really interesting because I think so much is really more the energetic resonance than anything else. I mean, of course, it's sort of like them, you know, being in a certain situation really helps. Like if they're at the point where they're like, oh, I really want to make a change now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which, you know, is typically like the time when it's really good to work with a coach. And uh, then, yeah, you know, just like people we get on the phone we have an immediate connection because because i find that's so important i mean one element is sort of like the commitment on their side because i think if a client is not really committed then there's not that much you can do right yeah no i totally Uh, yeah so they they already need to be committed or you know need to be willing to let me help help them become committed if they're not and uh, then the other thing is really sort of just, you know, this, yeah, just feeling like you're getting along when you're, when you're on the phone call, that there's some. If somebody comes across unmotivated, like they mm-hmm. reach out to you and they're already unmotivated, well, do you even try to work with them or you just, I, like, what do you do? Yeah, so, so I like to work with a framework that I, that's called yes, yes, hell no. And it's basically about the idea of finding goals that really, really resonate for us. Okay. And we do that by looking at intuition and reason and fear. So basically like three different voices that we all have in ourselves. Okay. And so it could be that somebody is unmotivated because they're like following their, oh, I should be doing that. Right. And really, you know, so it could be even somebody like coming to me and saying, hey, I want to change my job. But really what they want to do is start a family. Oh, yeah. And then they would be unmotivated towards sort of like the work stuff because mm-hmm. it's really not not what they care about at the moment. Mm-hmm. So kind of like trying to uncover what what direction they really want to go in. Yeah, like trying to get to the core. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. So how do you do that? Just through, you do it through questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm checking out. So, you know, like, let's look at this on a, on a scale of one to 10, how much does it light you up? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you know, maybe it's a seven, maybe it's a three, maybe it's a 10, maybe it's an 11. <laughs> and then I also look at fear and reason because often it can also be that people stop themselves from really acknowledging a goal to themselves because they're afraid. It's like, how, how you know, this is so big, this is so crazy. Like, how can I even accomplish that? Yeah. Oh, no, I see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so really allowing that fear to be heard can also be really helpful. And that's sort of like why, why it's called yes, yes, hell no, because um, I'm ideally looking for something where people's intuition is like, yes, I want to do that. You know, the reason is like, yeah, that really makes sense. And their fear is like a hell no, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> like, oh, <yeah. laughs> don't. It's, so, so for instance, you know, like when I made this whole shift in my own life, you know, about like, like leaving a six figure job and like moving to another continent that I had, you know, living with somebody I'd never lived with before and all these other crazy changes. It was for me like that, you know, my intuition and my reason thought it was a good idea. And my fear was, yeah, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah. I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if somebody's feeling a lot of fear, how do you in that situation work through it with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I've learned is that fear actually increases if we try to fight it Mm -hmm. and it also increases if we try to flee it you know so these two standard responses fight or flight they don't really work with fear okay because you know like when you're scared of doing something and you're like come on do it do it do it it just gets stronger you just kind of like feed it energy and then if you just stop doing it it sort of like drains our self-esteem yeah so what I found instead works is to try to befriend the fear. Mm-hmm. And I see our fear a bit like uh, our, you know, fire detector, which goes off all the time. I'm not even sure why. That's something I need to figure out. But anyway, <laughs> it goes off all the time. Okay. And sometimes it's annoying. But like, you know, there may be that one time when it's, you know, when it's kind of like saving your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I, Fear, um, you know, if we if we look at our history, without fear, we wouldn't even be alive because, you know, our ancestors would have gotten killed, you know, doing something really stupid. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think why, why it really annoys me when that in our culture we have this anti-fear stance, you know, like the worst, the, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. No, I think there are lots of things, you know, that we have to fear, mm-hmm. but it's not fear. <laughs> um, and... And I think fear can really helpful if we approach it uh, consciously and skillfully. So is that and how you is that how you befriend it? Yeah. So so basically, I, I actually talk to people's fear directly. I, I'm not sure if you're aware. Like you know, there are lots of um, lots of tools where you, uh, for instance, um, inner families systems, I think it's, it's what it calls where you can call, talk to different parts in a person. Oh, no, I, I guess I kind of know about that, but I'm definitely not an expert. Like, I don't, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so it's a bit like that. So, um, <laughs> I, I think so many, you know, like issues we have are actually issues that are internal, you know, so let's, let's take the example of going to the gym. Okay. Uh, you know, when, 
were like, hey, I want to work out. Often there are like two parts. One part that's sort of like the inner athletes that's like, yeah, I'm going to work out. This is great. I'll feel so, you know, so much better afterwards. And then there's sort of like the inner couch potato. It's like, you know, don't you think like Netflix would be a better choice? <laughs> so it's sort of like having, you know, <laughs> uh, an inner debate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I and mean, everybody deals with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, the problem is that because our culture is so fear negative, um, we often just tell our fear to shut up. But the problem is our fear, like if we look at it, you know, like historically, our fear has ensured our survival. Because if there's like a tiger in front of us, well, I guess, you know, our survival is probably doomed anyway. But uh, the point is that our fear serves a very important evolutionary purpose. So to just trying to ignore it just doesn't really work. So the do only you you approach it with some type of like fear setting like questions or like mm -hmm. worst case, like work, walk through like worst case scenarios or how do you like get deeper into it? I mean, if you have an example of something you're afraid of, I can show it. Oh, oh I don't know. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. So, okay. Oh. No, like I'm like, um, what do you call it? Claustrophobic. Could, oh, okay. could we do that? Or that wouldn't be a good example. Um, I think it would be probably more something that you want to do, but that you're afraid of. Mm, I don't have many of those. I just kind of, I'm, yeah, I'm you not just that do bright. Those. I just do stuff. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good approach too. <laughs> um, I've mentioned this a couple times recently, and it's, I struggle to admit it because I work with a lot of clients who deal with a lot of resistance in their lives, you know, mm -hmm. like artists yeah. or authors. Apparently, it's like really hard to sit down and write a book. And I mean, mm. I, uh, I should show empathy, but I mean, that seems to be something that is, um, really hard to do. And, uh, so I've just never had that in me. Like if I wanted to do something, I have never really overthought it too much for the most, for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I have just, I guess I'm just really good at taking very small baby steps towards it. So, yeah. so if something, let's say like podcasting, mm -hmm. I don't think I was like scared, but I kind of dragged my feet on it. It was more cause I was just busy, I guess, than anything. Yeah. But then once I had yeah, the time to actually do it, I mean, I guess I was, I mean, I hate to listen to my voice, so that's like ter terrifying. <laughs> but um, you know, you just kind of baby step into it, and and I've just gotten really comfortable with being really bad at stuff initially, and knowing like it's gonna be fine, and oh, uh, and yeah. nobody nobody cares. I mean, I mention this all the time in my podcast, and people push back, but I'm like, for the most part. <laughs> nobody cares what you're working on. Like nobody right. cares. Yeah. Like people care about yeah. themselves. You know, it's like if you yeah. dre dress poorly at a wedding, people are just glad somebody is dressed worse than them. They're not at all <laughs> like pissed. At, you know, they're not at all yeah. mad yeah. at you. They're just like, right. Oh yeah, I'm glad Matt didn't wear a tie. You know, like, you yeah. know, I'm like, I'll tell my wife all the time. I'm like, I don't need to wear a tie. She's like, everybody will be wearing a tie. I'm like, no, nobody cares that I'm not in a tie unless it would be me. But nobody else cares. Nobody could. People get careless, you know, or if I release like a really bad podcast, nobody cares. Like people just turn it off, but they don't yeah. like care. They're, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. 
I yeah, guess, I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe people could fear. I guess my fear would be like if I released a podcast that was so bad, um, would it turn off like future listens? But I try to mm-hmm. produce a podcast almost every day, so I've just told my audience, I'm like, hey, like I've done. Um, a lot of what would you call it? like polls I've asked people in emails like hey how often you're you're a good listener of the podcast how often do you want them coming out and they're like daily <laughs> so I've told my audience I'm like if you want them daily there's gonna be like some really bad ones in there because I'm expectation not... <laughs> management huh <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm like I'm yeah. not just like a machine at like putting out content so, yeah. uh, yeah. And then I, I always ask the audience, I'm like, I need you guys to send questions if you want me to like be able to produce content, content. Cause I'm not just like on demand content guy. And, uh, so sometimes I'll just, you know, blame it on them when I start the podcast. I'm like, well, <laughs> nobody's sending any questions. So, you know, sorry, <laughs> you know, I'm going to yell at you again about setting your goals. Uh, so yeah, it's great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, I think I tried to find uh, one of your fears, but it seems like you're already doing uh, everything. Oh, I'm sure I have fears, so, I guess. You know, I don't know. No, but seriously, I think, you know, like a lot of the stuff you're doing, like, you know, taking the small steps and mm-hmm. um, really, you know, thinking that nobody's going to care, which I I think it's true for the most part, but I think it's also possible to adopt a different perspective. But this one, you know, it's just so much more freeing. Yeah. So I think because you have like all these, uh, I guess, yeah, mindset things that are really helpful. It's probably just not that big an issue for you. So I have used a lot of fear setting. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, like fear setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I still that's something that Tim Ferriss came up with. It's mm-hmm. in his book, Two Old Titans, but it, he, it was first published, I think, in the four-hour work week. But it basically just, it's just backing you in to show you that worst-case scenario isn't oh, quite yeah. as worse yeah. as you think. And, you know, I dealt with mm-hmm. that, I think, with quitting. You know, I quit the corporate world and had a, had a big boy job and yeah. uh, and was making a lot of money. And that's that would have been, like, if you asked me this prior to making my move to... uh to be a coach, that's definitely what I would have said that I was fearing, mm-hmm. like, and, yeah. and we could have walked through the exercise very eloquently because you could have shown me that, like, I'm not going to starve, you know, right. like, uh, yeah. like, that's not a thing. So, um, yeah, so I would say, but, you know, something I fear a lot is mm-hmm. um, disappointing people. And so mm-hmm. since I've become my own boss, I really, I mean, I guess I could disappoint my clients, but I'm not at all. I know I'm bringing like my best effort to them, so I don't really fear that at all. I I think in life generally I fear like disappointing somebody that I I feel like I owe them something. So like mm, yeah. I was a really good employee because I was just like I would try to get my shit done like you know like, really <laughs> well because I hated dis- disappointing somebody. Where you know there's yeah. people in life. And I wish I had more of this where they're just like, I don't really care what they want. I'm planning to work on this, you know, and they're a little more rebellious. I don't I don't have a whole lot of that in me at all. Yeah. Um, but in my current job, there's really nobody to disappoint. Like nobody cares. <laughs> so, I mean, no, not in a bad way. I mean, in a very freeing way. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. um, 
you know, if I don't do something today, I guess my coach might get mad at me, but <laughs> no one else. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. switching things up a little bit. What uh what mistakes do you think people make uh when working towards their goals, you know, like if you see you know, sometimes if you're watching somebody try to do something is there something common that you see them uh kind of not doing well so i think it's often this all or nothing mm-hmm. attitude that people fall into so you know either i'm going to start my seven figure empire like within the next half year or you know i might just as well stay on the college um so basically setting the goals too high or not breaking it down into smaller chunks. Yeah. Then yeah. focusing so much on the outcome and not enough on the process. Yeah, that's really good. Because ultimately, you know, there's we can control the outcome perhaps to some extent, but not completely. In the process we can mostly control. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. another thing is sometimes people just sort of like picking arbitrary goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're I like, hey, why that. don't I publish a book? Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not really sure why I want to do that. And it's really like a different desire that, that's underneath that. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, it could be like going for the wrong goal or going for a goal that's not right sized. Yeah, totally agree with you. Yeah. Then, you know, like the, the part that you said about taking small steps, I think that's so important. So, you know, like it, in contrast, if your steps are too big, it just becomes really, really hard to do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because in my gut feeling, you know, so I'm building this coaching business and that's what I do every day. And it's hard to think or it's not my instincts don't fall in line with like that that's a habit I'm building but Mm -hmm. it's absolutely all habit based you know what I'm saying so it's like weird that building a business would be all habit based but it totally Mm -hmm. ties into like what you do all day every day you're either gonna you're in five years you're either gonna have a thriving business or you're not like and it's all tied to your habits much more than I think I probably originally I would have argued that like two years yeah. ago that maybe there yeah. was other stuff involved, but it's just like, you know, there's, um, I think it's very, I think that the coach.me stuff has really, um, shown me that. And then mm-hmm. yeah, I mentioned the book all the time, Atomic Habits, uh, on here by yeah. James Clear. And that really reiterates that, you know, it's all very much habit based. And I've, I've just really started to adopt that. I think more than, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, I totally agree with it at this point that if you really want to make some changes, you've got to change, you know, what you're doing every day has to change. Like there's really no, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Although like, you know, I, I actually would say it's maybe more in many cases, more of a practice than a habit Uh and the way it would, you know, cause, cause it feels like habit. It just feels so, that's like brushing your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I agree with a that. Smoking habit, but yes. it's more like you know. No, we have a meditation that. practice, not yes. like a meditation habit. Like, or you know. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it's like it is kind of. I mean, so for my, 
you know, for like my business, I get basically all my leads through the podcast. I mean, they people right. hear me and then they're just like, okay, Matt seems yeah. approachable and um, somebody I might want to chat with. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, recording like a podcast five or six days a week, you don't think of it as a habit. You think of it kind of as like a practice, but I mean, it's yeah. got turning on the microphone and you know, standing at your desk and talking. I mean, it is very habitual too. I mean, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird to think of it as a habit, but it's almost uh, it's or at al- least a routine or yeah, something. Definitely yeah. a routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely yeah. a routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. Yeah. Let me ask you this in your, mm-hmm. just your life right now. Um, okay. And sure. you're, you're yeah. a very curious person. So like, what are you most <laughs> curious about in life right now? Maybe not anything to do with coaching. Yeah, so this is maybe going to sound a bit weird, but um, I recently started doing martial arts again, and I just love it. Oh, cool. I love it so much. And I mean, like, honestly, if I could go every day, unfortunately, it isn't. It's only once a week. So, you know, like we meet um, during the week to practice, but I I would do it every day. I want to learn, you know. Yeah. So what kind of like martial arts? So uh, it's it's basically a mixture. Like some of it is like the Philippine martial arts. So oh, cool. Arnis and Kali and Eskrima. Okay. And some of it is sort of like more, you know, like kickboxing and so on. Nice. And you had done that like prior? I, I had done a bit. Um, and it's so interesting because I, you know, like what's so interesting about doing it now is really feeling like a complete beginner. And, you know, just like uncoordinated and awkward, but actually like really liking it. Oh, yeah. So I think there are so many, like, important lessons in life to take away from that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Why do so you I think, think you're enjoying it so much? So I think, like, movement in general is just so good. Mm-hmm. Me, too. I, I think I read somewhere, you know, some of the things that really contribute to happiness and some are movement, being outside, being with people, playing, and... You know, like when I was younger, I was doing, I don't know if you know, a life or action role play. It's basically you kind of dress up in funny clothes and, uh, you know, hit at each other with like swords. <laughs> no, I don't know that. <laughs> and um, and I was wondering why I was always so happy after like, you know, a weekend of like, you know, sleeping uh, outside, being uncomfortable. But yeah. it was basically I was outside. I got to play. You know, I hung out with people. And Yeah. So, so I, I think that's part of what I, what I really like about it. And, um, also, you know, you can, you can joke so much. There's community, which I think is also really important in, in anything, you know, it's just so helpful to have people who, yeah. who, uh, support you. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with <laughs> that. Yeah. How did you decide to get back into that? I, Okay, this is going to sound really, really ridiculous, but um, you you mentioned that it would be helpful to be vulnerable. So basically, um, I was watching um, Iron Fist, and I don't know if you've seen it, but like basically everybody's complaining about how bad like the martial arts are and so on. And I was like, oh, uh, no, I don't. And, know. and somehow you know, like that that it was so like unconvincing. I was like, oh, okay, you know, like if they show that on screen, maybe I can you know, like dare to get back into it too. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. so, yeah, that's it was, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. How, like how long ago was it like when you practiced last prior to like like, like ten years ago or something? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. And did your is your like 
how how long have you been back into it? Oh, really, like literally, like you know, a couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> Is your body like sore after your sessions? I'm 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 in pretty good shape because I exercise a lot. Okay. Um, but like you know, some it's it's so interesting because it's actually more like my brain that just completely hangs itself up. Okay. Um, it's like, like, you know, if you have like two different sticks and you kind of like need to coordinate them, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes actually even more of a mind exercise than body, which I find really interesting. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What, like what type of exercise do you do? Like typically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these days I, uh, do stuff at home. I just find that so much more convenient than like going to the gym and I have mm-hmm some dumbbells. Okay. The last couple, you know, like two months or so I've been doing body weight stuff before I've been working quite a bit with dumbbells. But then like, uh, my, uh, you know, like I kind of like felt my muscles were getting too big. So that now that I've done body weight stuff, they're like, you know, they've shrunk again. Now uh, I want to start with dumbbells again. So it's okay. really like just trying to figure out, you know, like, like how I feel best. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. um, this is a totally bizarre question. Do you drink okay. alcohol at all? Actually, almost never. Like, okay. um, I, I, I just don't, it wasn't even like a deliberate decision, but uh-huh. it's just, uh, over the years I just drank less and less. And now it's basically like, None. honestly, like on new year's, I had like one sip of like, you know, champagne. <laughs> okay. That's good. It, okay. Yeah. It just feels like my body doesn't really tolerate it that well sure. anymore. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's smart. So, um, okay. Like last question here. Okay. Sure. What, uh, <laughs> what advice would you have? Uh, or would you give to like a smart, driven college student who's about to enter the real world? world? So they're coming out of college and they're about to enter the real world. Any advice? Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I think the most important thing is to not get caught in golden handcuffs. So really to start saving right away, if you can. That's great And advice. to not, you know, like, like, cause often it's sort of like you got your first job and you earn a lot of money. It's like, oh, okay, I'll just, you know, spend it on stuff. But really keeping the lifestyle relatively similar and starting to save money, it's just going to give you so much more freedom down the road. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that, by the way. Uh, yeah. yeah. I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And even like aggressively paying off that debt so that you have much more freedom if you if you're coming out of college with debt man get it cleaned up so that uh you don't yeah. feel, feel beholden holding to your stupid job that you want to leave uh you know two years after you start and you know try don't don't get that big fat car payment or anything just keep uh keep uh living yeah. modestly yeah totally agree with that anything else i think and i mean i think just Seeing if there's something that you can really take away from where you're working, because, you know, it's easy to be like negative Mm -hmm. about things. But I think there are so many things you can learn. Like, you know, for instance, if you're working in an environment that's very, you know, like high paced or or like fast paced and where there are lots of demands on you, I think it's so great for really developing that muscle of, hey, I can actually do that. You know, like I may not like to work like 20 hour days, but I can do it if I have to. And so, so I think just sort of like seeing if there's also positive side of it without getting necessarily caught up in, in the whole cycle of, oh, I need to, you know, have this particular type of job to feel like an acceptable member of society, but just there's also often so much positive that sure. you can kind of like take away so much. 
positive. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. What advice do you think they're like typically getting that they should ignore? Oh, geez. Um, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes um, to mind. Well, I I think, you know, maybe this advice, oh, if you're just working hard, you're going to be rewarded. Because I don't mm-hmm. think that's really how life, I'm not sure if it ever worked that way, but I don't think it's working like that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also really important to kind of, even if you have a seemingly safe job, to also build your CV so that you would be competitive if you had to leave. Mm-hmm. And not assuming that you're going to be in the same place, you know, like 10 years from now, because most likely you won't be. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd say I'd add that, you know, I don't think a lot of people coming out of college realize, like, if you go work for a company, it's way less about like the hours you're working. It's really about like the actual value you're bringing to the workplace and trying to figure out where you can bring the most value and, and why you're valuable yeah. and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and trying to, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. You were really good on this podcast, by the way, Bear. You did absolutely wonderful. I am really glad I had you on. You you shared some awesome insights. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for, and, for having me. And I'm going to say it one more time. I, I will have already mentioned this in the opening, but your website is workyoulovecoach.com, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's all spelled out. So it's uh, work and then youlovecoach.com. And, uh, yeah, is that the best place? You have some pretty cool, uh, like, free downloads on your website. So an essential guide to work you love and uh, kind of a mini meditation and stress relief uh, audio, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be the best place so they can find it. There's a little link page that's called Gift, so they can they can find it there. And you think the website's the best place for people to hunt you down at? Sure. I mean, I can also give some social media links Um and we can, you know, maybe put them somewhere sure. in the description. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, but, share, yeah. I'll share those in the show notes. So I see mm-hmm. I've got your LinkedIn, your Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook from your website. And I'll make sure those are in the uh, those are in the show notes to the episode. And uh, anything else you want to share before uh, before I let you go? Um, thank you for having me. And oh, yeah. thanks for listening. And yeah, it's yeah, great. <laughs> you're very welcome. So thanks for coming on. And so... Um, to the audience out there. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, I am uh, planning to record a show tomorrow. So um, hang in there and we will chat then. So thanks again, Bear. Thank you, Matt. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.